Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. Hey, isn't it special? Hey, when God's people come together to worship, it's amazing to see how God works in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Father, we are so grateful. Father, your people have the ability to gather, Lord, to worship you and to declare in unison through all campuses nothing else that we want. We just want you, O Lord. We just want you. And so, Father, as we open up your truth, your holy word, O God, Father, give the people of your pasture, Lord, eyes to see, ears to hear your truth. And Father, may we just not be hearers of the word. May we be doers of the word. Let us be obedient, Lord, to where you're leading us as a church so that we can reflect who you are. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people say, amen. amen. Hey, let's, let's praise our Lord one more time. And welcome everyone to Christ Fellowship. It is a wonderful day to worship God together, amen? amen. My name is Omar and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And so wherever you're watching us, if it's, if it's your first time guest, listen, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us to worship our great God. You know, we've started off the fall, um, really when the series called Unstuck, we've been learning how to get unstuck spiritually, right? So that we can continue our journey with God and make it all that it could be. And last week, I, we saw from God's word the importance that we gather physically together to worship God, amen? Something special happens when the people of God gather together to worship Him. But listen, today, we're going to be looking at the importance of connecting to each other. Yeah, that we grow closer to each other, uh, and that is primarily through small groups. And so listen, I am ready and excited to dive into God's Word. I hope you are as well. And so wherever you find yourself, let's open up our Bibles to Acts chapter 2. It's the same passage from last week, but I think we have a lot to learn about the early church and how they grew in strength and in numbers, amen. And so uh, you can follow along with me uh, at all campuses from Acts chapter 2 and listen to what God's Word says. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their what? In their what, church family? Yeah, in their homes, right? They got in smaller groups they re and they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. In other words, the strength of the early church, right, was that they were connected to each other. Everyone say connected to each other. Connected to each other. Yeah, they were together and they derived their strength 
from that unity. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, I have been blessed growing up to been, uh, have been able to travel a good portion of the United States. I've been to all the southern states. I've been able to see the Northeast, New York, Boston, all that area. Also the Midwest, Chicago and all those Midwestern states. I've been to Texas several times. I've seen all that region all the way through the Grand Canyon uh, and the Hoover Dam and even to uh, Southern California. Folks, there's an area in the states that I still would love to travel, and that is Central and Northern California. And folks, the big reason that I would love to go there is to see the mighty sequoia trees. How many of you, by any chance, at all campuses, by show fans, have seen the sequoia trees? Yeah, we've got a couple here. Yeah, it's a really amazing thing to see. Now, for those of you who do not, have never seen those or don't know much about these trees, let me just give us some incredible facts about them. First of all, they are the tallest trees on earth. They can reach heights of about 350 feet, 21 story, 21 stories high. Uh, and, and folks, they're so tall, they're so big. Get this, that certain animals live their entire life on those trees. Uh, there's entire ecosystems that actually take place within each of those trees. And folks, get this, listen, they are so big that they can actually make rain at will. Oh yeah, they're so big that they can absorb moisture into their leaves, and whenever they sense that things are a little dry, they actually release that moisture and rain falls down to the ground. But folks, the second incredible thing about them is their endurance. It's how long they can live. See, the fact is that they don't live just a couple hundred years. They can live thousands of years. In fact, the oldest known one is about 2,200 years old. Yeah, it began to grow even before the Lord came down to this earth. But folks, follow me here. Because as you're seeing all those pictures and you're hearing all these facts about these trees, the natural question is how could it be that these trees be so high? How can they be so big? How can they be so strong? And folks, the answer to that is in their roots. It's because of their roots. Now, the moment that I said the word roots, many of you thought, wow, those roots must have been really, really, really deep. You know, you think of a skyscraper, right? The higher the skyscraper, the, 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 the deeper the foundation is. But the truth of the matter is that their roots are not very deep. In fact, they are very, very shallow. But those shallow roots, what happens is that they start growing horizontally and they begin to connect to each other. And folks, all these sequoia trees, all those roots are interconnected to each other to the fact that they only grow in in what they call, in groves or what they call the tribes of sequoia trees because they're so interconnected to each other. And so folks, do not miss this because when the storms come, when the earthquakes quake, 
When all the natural disasters come their way, they stand strong. They stand tall. They are immovable. Why? Because they are so connected to each other. They derive their strength from how connected they are to each other. Amazing. And folks, let me just bring that whole analogy over to our teaching for today. Because what an image of what makes a Christian's life strong and, and have endurance. And by that I mean that just like these sequoia trees, right? They derive their strength and endurance for how connected they are to each other just like that. And here's the main idea as we dive into God's holy word today. There's the secret to having a strong and a lasting spiritual life is not to be isolated and try to go deeper and deeper and deeper by yourself. Listen, the secret to it is how interconnected you are to other people who've also put their faith in Christ. Amen? Amen. And who knows, maybe you're here right now. And the reality is that you've been coming to church for a long time. Months, years, some of us have been here over a decade. And when you look at your spiritual growth, your spiritual journey, yeah, you've grown here and there, but you really haven't grown the way you should have grown. The strength of your spiritual life is not indicative of someone who's been a believer for this amount of time. And perhaps the reason is, is because you are living the Christian life in isolation. And the truth of the matter is that you don't have true lasting strength because you're not connected to other people, to other believers. So you're probably wondering, well, Omar, listen, I, I want to get unstuck. I want to move forward. So, so where is this place where we get connected to each other? Because, Omar, there's so many people here. I look around, and, and it's great, but, but, but I can connect to people. I find it very hard. I come in, and then I leave. So where is this place? Well, folks, we're going to find out today from the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. You can take out your listening guides that you receive on the way in. You can write down notes if you prefer or use your app. And today I have two powerful thoughts about how to get unstuck in our spiritual life. 10.45, are we ready to go? Okay, so write this down as point number one. Here's what you need to know. Listen, we get unstuck by connecting to others in a small group. Now, listen to what God's Word says about the early church. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now pause right there for a moment and let me set things up for us. Because last week we learned that one of the key things to get unstuck is making sure that you are personally connected to God. Not only individually, right, in your devotional time, but even right now when we gather together as God's people to connect to God together, to worship God. But folks, here's what's interesting. The early church quickly realized that even though God works in powerful ways, right, when we all gather together for worship, they knew that they needed to get stronger, both individually and collectively. 
And so here's what they quickly realized. Write this down as letter A and B. And that is that the church grows in number through large worship gatherings, right? People get invited, people who have questions, they start coming and they start, start seeking the Lord. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see. But write this down as letter B. But the church grows in strength through our small groups, through small groups. By the way, if you're brand new, listen, small groups are just our midweek Bible studies that we get together in smarter groups to study God's Word. In fact, listen to what it says in the passage. It says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking breads in their what? In their homes. And it's important that God mentions that. In their homes, and they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. So here's what the church realized. That they were going to face many challenges in life, many trials, many persecutions, and they understood that just meeting together in a multitude of people was not going to give them the strength that they needed as a new people group of God. And so they began to meet in homes and the church began to explode. And folks, it's interesting that throughout church history, when you study church history, there's a pattern that has emerged. That whenever a church, the church, has community outside of the weekend worship gatherings, right, of the large worship gatherings of God, the church in those times was strong and it was flourishing. And the moment that, and those seasons in the history of the church where they would just only come right now and worship God in multitudes, but they had no connection outside of the multitude of God, the church was incredibly weak. And so, listen, you show me a church where there's strong community outside of that large gathering of God's people, and I'll show you a strong church. But, I'll, but you show me a church that doesn't mean, has no connection outside of this, and I'll show you a very weak church. And listen, this is why small groups is, our, is the second step of our discipleship process. You know, here at Christ Fellowship, uh, we know we're not a perfect church, and we don't have a perfect discipleship, uh, discipleship process. But we do know, we're pretty confident, that if our people get into four different environments, then we know that God would work in some powerful ways. Last week, we covered the first environment, which was connect to God in a large setting to worship God together, right? God does some powerful things in the middle of this. But the second one is, is in connecting to others in the context of a small group. And family, as leaders, we know that when you get into a gospel community, like in a small group, listen, you will grow in your faith like never before. You know, earlier in the service, I shared with you that every single week, we get hundreds of prayer requests, hundreds and we're honored that people have submitted those to us. We read them, we pray for them, we treasure those prayer requests. But, there is, but you want to know what is the most common prayer request that we receive? You want to know what the most common is? Here it is. I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my faith. And folks, listen, that is a, such a noble, God-honoring prayer request. To want to grow in your faith. There's something in you that says, you know what? I need to grow. But you know, when we see that, here's what we did. 
we get a sample, a good sample of those people who said, I want to grow in my faith. And we looked to see how many of those people were in a small group. And you don't want to know how many were in a small group? Zero. Zero. A hundred percent of the people who say, I want to know, I want to grow in my small group. I feel like I'm not growing. We're not in a small group. And so listen, if you feel spiritually stuck, if there's something in you, a holy longing to grow in your relationship with Christ, listen, then get into gospel community in the context of a small group. Amen? Amen. Because folks, here's what I want, to, I want you to understand. Sure, when we gather together as God's people in this context like we're right now, listen, it's a critical part of your walk with Christ, and, and you're going to grow, right, when we gather together. But let me help you understand, there is a limit to the amount of growth you can experience in a large worship gathering. There's just, there's just a limit. And so what happens is sometimes, well, this is the only thing you experience when it comes to God. Even with good intentions, can I, can I remind you, it, it can almost become ritualistic. We just go to church on the weekend, it's my thing to do with God. And that's it. Listen, and for, and for a while, yeah, you might grow a little bit. Yeah, you're going to. But listen carefully. There is a significant limit to where God can grow you in this context. And so, listen, the way to get unstuck and enter into this next phase of growth in your life, it's in the context of a small group. And so, family, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay out my cards, as they say, right, as your past. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what is my primary objective from here on out. And that is that you get into a small group. You, you, listen, you may, you may not know this, but before I was lead pastor, I was a campus pastor. And before I was a campus pastor, I was a small group pastor of this church. And so, listen, you have a lead pastor, yeah, that even though he has a title of lead pastor, deep in his heart, he knows the importance and the power of small groups in a person's life. And, and so here's what I would love to see. That when people look in the landscape of Miami, and they just see a bunch of just weak trees all over, that when the storms come, they get knocked down. But when they look at each Christ Fellowship campus, they don't see weak trees. They see mighty sequoia trees growing tall and strong because how interconnected they are. Amen? That should be our desire, that we look like a grove, a tribe of sequoia trees every time people look at each Christ Fellowship campus. Amen? And so, Omar, what's so special about smog? Why are we talking about this? Well, write this down as big number two. Listen, small groups are devoted to three critical things. And here's the first one. The first thing is that they were devoted to God's word. We see small groups, these small group gatherings were devoted to God's word. In other words, small groups help the people of God deepen their understanding of God's truth. In fact, let's go back to the passage. It says this. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' what? Teachings. Teachings, right, to the gospel message. So what we see in the early church is as they began to also gather in homes, 
right? They were centered, they centered those groups around God's word. And folks, that's exactly what our small groups do. Listen, when we gather together in our homes for our small group Bible studies, listen, the center of it is God's truth. You know, it's our responsibility as pastors to ensure that you are growing in your knowledge of God's, of God's word. And if I can be honest, listen, we can cover a lot of material here in the weekends, but in the small groups, it's a perfect context where we can not only talk about other aspects of our faith, but also process it and talk about it and learn in a deeper way the things of God's word. And so there's something that I want to introduce to our church family that we're starting really next year, and, 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 and it's the way that we give small group curriculum or teachings. So just like in our weekend service, right, uh, we know that at all campuses there is unity and clarity as to what we're t- uh, studying, right? So for example, right now, we're going through a series Unstuck at every campus, uh, and we're growing together. We're learning God's word. We're being reminded of some of the important basic things that God calls us to do. And folks, we want to bring that whole philosophy again back to our small groups, where there's going to be times throughout the year, uh, like particularly like January to start off, then after Easter and probably the fall, that we will get unified in our small group teachings taught by our, by our pastors, and, and we're going to grow together. And then the off weeks, you can do whatever teaching or curriculum you want that you feel is right for your thing. But we want to start getting a little more unified, a little more uh, clear as to what we're doing. And so listen, starting on the week of October 9th, it's going to be the kind of the start of this. And we all know we're starting a series called Skeptics Welcome, which it deals with uh, a really a lot of the hard questions that skeptical people of Christianity have. And the truth of the matter is sometimes when we're asked those questions, sometimes we don't even know how to answer those questions, right? And so in this study, we're going to learn about all these different things. It's almost going to be like an apologetic uh, study. And it's actually part of a, uh, almost a year-long study through the book of Genesis. We're going to go through the entire book of Genesis. And Skeptics Welcome is going to kick off this uh, long study through the book of Genesis. But here's what I want you to know. If you want to experience the full aspect of Skeptics Welcome, listen, I want to encourage you, you can not only come to a weekend service, You have to get connected to a small group because we're going to be covering even more topics in those studies that are going to help you get stronger in God's Word and be ready to answer even the toughest questions about Christianity. How many of you are excited about that? Yeah? And so not only do we see from the early church that they were devoted to God's truth, growing, deepening their understanding, but also write this down as letter B, They were also devoted to fellowship, to fellowship. Now, let's go back to the passage and listen to what it says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the what? Fellowship. And the fellowship. Now, I love that God made sure to include this little simple word fellowship in this passage because it's so important. In fact, circle the word fellowship right there if you have it in your handout or in your Bible. Because the word fellowship... Uh, In the original Greek text, you know, we always like to remind you that the Bible was first written in Greek and Hebrew and then translated into different languages. Well, the word there is a word that many of us have heard is the word koinonia. And the word koinonia pretty pretty much means fellowship or communing that's bonded in peace. 
You know, when we come together, it's a special fellowship that comes across the message of the gospel, of, 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 of God's message for us. And so here's what I want us to understand. True Christian fellowship, listen carefully, it's not just having friends or acquaintances that are Christians. Many of us know people who are Christian. That's not technically Christian fellowship. True, authentic Christian fellowship is when you get together, yes, to grow closer together, but it's grounded and, and, and within God's truth. You know, there's something different. There's a difference between just hanging out, eating with someone, just because they're Christian, to actually talking about God's truth and growing closer together. Isn't that right? See, that's true, authentic Christian fellowship. And can I be honest? The reason that so many of us may feel stuck spiritually is because there is no true fellowship with other believers in your life. Sure, listen, you come to church on the weekend. And sure, you know, your family members may be Christian. But outside of your family, you really have no true Christian fellowship with anybody else. And as a result, you have been stagnant in your life. You've been coming to Christ Fellowship for five years. But even after five years, you still have no true fellowship with other believers. And folks, here's why fellowship is so important. First of all, it's one of the ways that God, use, that God uses to encourage you. In fact, listen to what God's word says in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful, right? Stay trusting in the Lord, in the gospel, in the promises of God. And here's why, here's how. Not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, last week, if you were listening to the message, I shared with us that sometimes even coming together physically just a mere physical presence has a way of encouraging us. Isn't that right? You know, wherever campus you're at, when you look around and you see other people going through the same issues in life, here worshiping God and, and seeking the Lord, there's a way of encouraging you, right? My goodness, there's a lot of people pursuing the Lord, and that's great. But folks, there has to be a moment where we encourage us with our mouth. It can't just be just some implicit encouragement. And, and, and folks, where that happens, that encouragement happens, is not in the weekend service. It's in the small groups. How are you going to practice the one another's of the Bible, encourage each other, if you have no gospel community? You know, one of the things I love about my, my men's small group is that uh, we started several months ago, and, and things are, are going well. You know, we're getting to know each other, and, you know, before and after, we always talk with each other. And just the other day, for example, uh, we always laugh. One of our guys uh, shared with us that he literally rode a bike from California to Miami. Pretty crazy, right? His, our level of respect was sky high. We laughed about it, and we were asking questions. And, we, you know, we're, we're growing closer together. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to go to Top Golf and pretend we know how to hit golf balls, but it's just going to be a time of just hanging out. But you know what? In our small group, we also encourage each other. You know, for example, when we started our small group, 
coincidentally, unbeknownst to him, there was a guy in our small group who was about to enter into a divorce. And it was amazing how God put him in the context of gospel community so that we would be able to encourage him, pray for him, and look after him. He, God didn't want him to do that alone. We have another guy who uh, is considering a big business change in his life or, you know, changing careers and doing something. And we take the time just to, man, pray for wisdom and encourage him and, and give him any counsel uh, that, that we can. But the, the truth of the matter is that when we come together, there's a moment that we talk about whatever's going on. We encourage each other. But, folks, listen, not only is small groups critical for our encouragement, but listen carefully. The second reason is because it protects us from the enemy, from the enemy. In fact, let me remind you the warning from God's word. It says this. It says, Christ fellowship, be sober-minded. Listen, be watchful. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring what? Lion. Lion. Seeking someone to devour. Listen carefully. Let me remind you. You may not know this. We may not think about it. But there's oftentimes an enemy that is walking around seeking how to bring you down, how to discourage you, how to devour you, how to get you to walk away from the Lord. Amen? Man, listen, we have an enemy that is ready to do that. And you know oftentimes who he goes after? You've seen it in those National Geographic videos, right? It's always the one that goes by itself. And so, so many of us, listen carefully, we're trying to live the Christian life isolated from other believers. As a result, we are a prime target from the enemy. You know, there was an old Baptist preacher that once said this. He said, people go wrong in their fellowship before they go wrong in their doctrine. Now let that statement sink in. When people start getting spiritually cold, when people start falling into sin, when people start doing things that they shouldn't be doing, it's not because they started believing some sort of heresy out there. It's because their of their fellowship is absent. They are isolated from the things of God. And when you isolate yourself from other believers, no good could ever happen. Come from that. Amen. And can I tell you, I'm going to be just really honest. You know, that's my heart. I'll always be honest. You know, the ones that usually struggle the most in God's church with this concept of isolation are usually the men. The men who God has called to be the men of God, the leaders of their home. The, peop, the ones who God has really called out of darkness to have such an impact in his kingdom are usually the one that live their Christian life isolated from other men. And as a result, they're spiritually weak. And just to give you some visual numbers as to the reality of this, I want to show you some of our small groups. You know, we're a small group weekend. So, for example, we have right now at our church about 378 small groups. Glory to, that, to God for that. Amen. 
We have, man, our small group team has done a phenomenal job. We have so many different groups, you know, couples groups, co-ed groups, young adults, all, all these different groups. But I want to show you the difference between the women and the men's groups. Right now, across all campus, we have about 100, right now, about 128 women's groups. It means 128 gospel communities where women are coming to study God's word and grow closer together. But we only have, get this, about only 48 men's small group. What does that show you? The women are three times more likely to gather with other believers and as a result, usually are spiritually more healthy. And so what I want to challenge the men, I'm always going to go after the men. Here's why. Not only because I'm a man, but because I know that if we have healthy men, we have healthy families. And if we have healthy families, we're going to have a healthy church. Amen? And so what I want to challenge you, listen, if you are a man, listen, you are called, God is calling you to be the man of God that he wants you to be. Listen. You cannot be the man of God that God wants you to be in isolation. You may think it's manly. It's not manly. It's actually hurting your spiritual life. And if you're married, it's actually hurting your family. So my encouragement to all of us, especially the men, is to lead the way in this. Amen? Let's get into gospel community. And so small groups are not only devoted to God's word, but also to other, I'm sorry, to fellowship. And lastly, one more important thing, they are devoted to the mission. In fact, write this, uh, in fact, let's go back to the message. Listen to what it says, to the passage. It says this. It says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread with food, um, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having what? Favor. Favor. They began to have favor, not with the church, but with all people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. And folks, notice what was happening. Look, they were having favor to the people who lived in their community, which means that they were not people who were inwardly focused. They were actually a group that knew that they had to serve those around them. And so listen, every group does not just live for themselves. Listen, they live to also to, to serve other people, which is a reason that I would love to see every single one of our small groups, every single one of our small groups, at least once a quarter, take a pause from their Bible study and go out and serve the community. We call those reach beyond, right? We reach beyond the walls of the church or we reach beyond the walls of our homes, right? Because we cannot just be people who just focus on ourselves and nobody else. And so listen, the reason that this is important for you to know as our church family is because this is a major shift in our strategy to reach our community. Yes, we're going to always have big serve days where we all gather together and we go out and serve. It's always a lot of fun. But the primary way that we are going to serve our community is that our groups are going to go out and serve and do something to show people the love of Christ. So, for example, if you are a men's group and you feel like, man, you know, we're kind of handy. Like, you know, we may not be professionals, but we know how to fix things and, and, and get things done. Then maybe your group 
could go out and identify you know, to a hurting family in the community. Maybe it's an elderly woman, a widow. And every quarter you go out to, their, to this lady's home, for example, and you fix everything in the home that needs to be fixed. And you remind her of God's love for her, that she has not been for God, and you pray for her. Maybe you're a, a ladies' group, and your passion for whatever reason is to bake. You guys love to bake. There's something special about that. That's what brought you together. Well, listen, if that's your passion, if you have that, come together, bake, and then take it to maybe a part in the hospital uh, wing that, you know, that, where the cancer patients are and love with those families or the nurses or police stations. And when you go there to show them a physical, tangible, tangible show of love, you love on them, remind them of God's truth, that God loves them, and, and, and then you pray for them. If perhaps you're a couples group and you have a heart for uh, maybe serving uh, the, the, those who need, like the homeless or women who need, listen, then go out and you go with our partners and go and serve those people in need. If you're a young adults group and you feel like, man, you know, we're young, but we need to honor those who are a little older, maybe go to an elderly home and really minister to those people who oftentimes are so alone. Listen, the key is this, listen, whatever your group gets excited about, go and do it, Amen. But what we cannot have, what we will never have, is have small groups here at Christ Fellowship that just exist to get, to grow bigger in our hands of knowledge of God's Word, but never do anything. Listen, we're going to be people who go out and we serve and we show people the love of Christ. In fact, it would be really cool if each of our small groups almost has like a little mission statement for themselves. Yeah, we exist to come together to study God's Word, but we also, there's this group of people that we have a heart for. And we're going to go and we ministered every so often. How many of you guys are excited about that? You guys are excited about that? Yeah? And so, folks, let me end with this. Here's the reason I'm so passionate about this. You know, many of you know that I grew up in the church. And listen, for decades, I would just come to church just like many of you. And just sit in a weekend service, receive and go, but be isolated from other people. And there was a struggle in me because I knew that I loved the Lord and my faith was in Him, but I, I knew that I wasn't growing the way I was supposed to grow. Until I heard someone challenge me and say, listen, you need to be the man that God's calling you to be. And so I got myself into a small group, and it was amazing. In that context of a small group I had never experienced before, I began to grow like never before. I learned more about God's Word, and I started developing friendships, listen, that I still have to this day. So many years removed from that. Why? Because something happens in the context of a, of a small group that's so very unique. And so listen, you know, we're in this series called Unstuck. Listen, are you serious about growing in your walk with the Lord? Are you tired already of just kind of meandering in your walk with Christ? Listen, it's time to take the next step. And so listen, man, I, I spoke to you earlier. Listen, God is calling you to be the man of the church. Man, the man that God is calling you to be. Man, get rid of the isolation. Stop just hanging out with your old buddies, all those people from work. Listen, it's time for you to get into a God-honoring community with other believers. Okay? And every time you go to small group, remind yourself, this is not only healthy for my soul, it's healthy for my family. Every time you go to a small group, I'm doing this not only for me, but I'm doing it for my family as well. Ladies, listen. 
If you are isolated, it's time to get into community. You don't need to go through life discouraged by yourself. You don't need to face the challenges of being a mom, a grandmother, maybe a single girl. You don't need to go by yourself. You need to be surrounded with other ladies who love the Lord and are going to pursue the Lord alongside with you and encourage you, and you encourage them along the way. Amen? Amen. If you're a couple, listen carefully. Every single day that you wake up, no matter how old you are, the enemy has one objective in your marriage, to destroy your marriage. Destroy your marriage. Divide you from your husband or wife. Listen carefully. If you feel the enemy's attacking and you're struggling, perhaps it's because your absence of actual gospel community. Listen, get yourself in a place with other believers, with other couples who struggle with the same things you struggle with. We all do, right? And get in a place where you can grow spiritually with your husband or with your spouse. Don't stay in isolation. If you're a student, listen carefully. If you're a student, if you are a young adult, listen, you may not think I know what goes on in your life, but I know. I'm, I'm not that far removed. I may be almost 40, but I'm not far removed of, what, of your life. And I know the temptation. I know the parties. I know what happens on social media. I know all of that. Listen, you will not become the person that God's calling you to be unless you surround yourself with other believers just like you to grow in your walk with Him. And so listen, our young adults groups from 18 to 29 meet on Tuesday nights at 7.30. Our, fri our students from middle school to high school, they meet on, uh, on Friday night at 7.30. So Young adults Tuesdays, uh, students Friday. So I want to challenge you, if you're that age, you also need to get into community with other believers. So here's what I want to do. At all campuses, I know you're watching right now, here's what I want you to do. At all campuses, go ahead and take out your phone right now. Oh, yeah. Listen, I'm watching everyone here. Campus pastors are watching everyone there right now. Yeah. Take out your phone. Go ahead, I'm watching. Go ahead up there. Yeah, I see you up there as well. Yeah, I see you. Go ahead and take out your phone. I want to see some screens right now just waving at me. There we go. Take out their face. There you go. There you go. All right. Open up the camera app right now. Open up the camera app. I want you to take a good picture of me. No, I'm just kidding. Take a, open your camera app. Yeah. And scan that right there. Just take a, just put the camera and you'll see a little link that will come up and just click on that link. And when you click on there, here's what's going to happen. If, you doesn't, if that doesn't work, go to cf, uh, cfmiami.org slash smallgroups. And you can just go there, right there, and you can just sign up. You know, you can, you can, you can look. And here's what I want to remind you at all campuses. If, we, if you don't mind, guys, production, can we put back the other screen in case somebody wasn't able to get that? Yeah, there we go. Listen. By filling out this form, you're not signing a mortgage agreement. You're not committing to life. There's not some serious thing. This is only you saying, you know what? I feel in my heart. I, I need to take a step. And I want to just find out more information. I want to just find out more information about what groups are available to see if there's one that fits me best. Maybe you're a lady, a couple, men's group, all these different groups. You fill that out. You submit that, all right, and then someone from our small group team will follow up with you, send you some options, and you feel like, oh, that one looks good. 
you can, you can check that out. If you don't like the group, that when you go there, you know what? Say, hey, to the director, man, I would like to check other groups. Go to another group and find. But listen, you need to find a group that you feel comfortable in and that you feel you can grow spiritually. Do not live life by yourself. So I'm going to give us about 30 seconds right now just to fill out that form right now. Listen, listen carefully at all, at all campuses. They may, this may seem like such a simple thing that doesn't matter. If you take this step, months and years down the line, you're going to be realizing, wow, that little moment in that service was the beginning of God doing a big change in my life. So I want to encourage you, go ahead and, you know, take the time, fill it out, and then I'll conclude this, right? Take some time right now at all campuses. All right, so well, listen, as you continue just to fill that out, by the way, at each of our campuses, when you leave, there's going to be a huge thing out there with a lot of stuff, with tables, with different, for couples groups, singles groups, men's groups, all that stuff. So if you have more questions or you would rather, you know, sign up in a physical form, on your way out at all campuses, you'll see that and you can get more information, all right? But my, listen, my encouragement as your pastor who loves you, and whose main priority is that you grow spiritually, is that you get into a small group. Don't live isolated. Amen?